Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm excited about the fact there are people in the building I don't know. So there's a possibility you don't know me. So um, I am uh, the founding pastor and bishop of this church. And uh, even though I have not been the pastor here for the last 11 years, um, I'm still involved. A lot of people don't understand what a bishop is. Here at Antioch, it has nothing to do with being retired. I'm not an emeritus anything. <laughs> and uh, if this is supposed to be retirement, somebody needs to get the Lord the message. Because on this last trip, I left here Friday, got back Thursday was in the pulpit 12 hours over six services sessions and ministered one-on-one -on -one with uh, two couples and other ministers a total of 39 hours in six days so if that's retirement whoo I'm not, re I'm not retired, but I am tired. I'm trying to get refreshed. Amen. Um, a couple of things really quickly, if I can, and some of you still, you're, you scratch your head at the structure. I've been coming to church now a couple of weeks. This is the biggest crowd I've seen. That's right. And you see this once a month. This is called Antioch United. It happens one Sunday night a month because we're, we meet in three different locations on Sunday night. And I think it's still 16 places on Sunday morning. What are you doing all that for? Because the Bible says go. It doesn't say to the world to come. So the focus is not trying to get people to come to a mega church someplace. The focus is trying to take the gospel to people where they are. And regardless of what you think the purpose of the church is, I, I do not give any credence to popular culture or po popular current Christian culture. Uh, my allegiance is to the Bible. And the Bible says that Jesus said to the church, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We, he did not call us to build a church. He's the church builder. He did not call us to recruit people to membership. He called us to preach the gospel. Because if you're preaching the gospel, it doesn't matter where they choose to go to church. You're fulfilling the Lord's commission. 
So we're not trying to build a church. We're not trying to build a crowd. We're trying to obey the word of God and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. And uh, there's a couple of things. Uh, I, I just want to give you my take on this. I will not be in the next two Antioch United services, either in February or March. In February, I'll be in Singapore doing a call to war. And then in March, I'll be in Brazil uh, teaching 18 hours and three days, according to schedule. And so I will not be here either one of those weeks or either one of those months. Uh, I will be here every weekend that Brother David Smith is here. He co he's coming one weekend a month through June for the purpose of reaping. I will not be in the first one. I will be in the next five. Uh, my absence makes some of you nervous. No. Uh, my role here is very well defined. By Maryland state law, I am the uh, being the senior minister. By Maryland state law, I am the chairman of the board of trustees. I am also the chairman and bishop of the executive council that is the day-to-day uh, -day ministry coordination for all of these different ministries. I am very actively involved. It is not the purpose for you to see my face a lot. Because according to Acts chapter 6, if you want to go from adding to the church daily to the number of disciples being multiplied, you have to increase the Word. And since the Word of God is eternal and cannot increase, because that which is infinite is a fixed amount in that context. You can't you can multiply any finite number by infinity and it's still infinity. So you can't multiply the word by doing something to the word. The only way to multiply the word in that in the biblical context is to multiply the number of people preaching it which is what our focus is here. There is always room for people who want to be involved in ministering the Word of God because we have just begun to see this structure of reaching people with the gospel uh, being established. In principle, the structure is established, but in scope and degree it's not anywhere remotely close to what it's going to be and uh, so uh, our goal is to have many 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 Sunday night services and as a part of those Sunday night ministries which we call here congregations we're one church Sunday night services are congregations congregations are made up of Sunday morning and other ministries called daughter works or preaching points and it is our goal to see all of those multiply uh, as often as it's possible to do so so uh, that's a very brief explanation of, of what we're trying to do and what my role is 
if I am home, Antioch United Service is my time to preach, unless the Lord chooses otherwise. Uh, because of scheduling and other factors, uh, the last two Antioch United, uh, the la- May and June, when Brother Smith is here, uh, we will be having uh, Sunday night Antioch United, but he will be preaching. Uh, the way his weekends are going to work when he's here is, as it's already been stated, we will be having a corporate evangelistic service for everybody that will come on Saturday nights that one weekend a month. Everybody's invited. That is in lieu, or not in lieu of, but in addition to uh, Antioch United Sunday night, which is once a month. And then on Sunday mornings, uh, Brother Smith in those six months, one weekend a month, We'll be going around different uh, daughter works on Sunday morning, and then he will rotate between the three Sunday night services on Sunday night. So every Sunday night service will get him two of the six months. Everybody can participate every month because of the Saturday night service. Uh, so you say, well, I, I don't know if I can get somebody to come to church on Saturday night. It's the easiest time. Very few people have church on Saturday night, so it's not an issue of, well, I've got my church. Well, I'm glad for that. Praise God. But you can come visit us, right? So you need to, there is a calendar on uh, theantioch.com, correct? If you would like to stay up to date, there is an up-to-date church calendar on theantioch.com. And you don't have to wonder what's going on, what weekend is what. All of this is being uh, kept up to date as uh, uh, effectively as possible so that you can know what's going on so you can participate. This is a very pivotal year for this church in the timing and the things of God. And and, uh, so I'm encouraging you to be a part of it. Thank you for your prayers. Today is three months and one week since I tore this Achilles tendon and I'm walking better. Um, We'll see how it goes. The good thing for you is it hurts to stand here. I heard what my wife did this morning. This pastor of Antioch Central invited her to preach here this morning and she wouldn't sit in my seat because she didn't want that long-winded spirit on her. So she sat in Pastor David Wright's seat but she was still shorter than him, I'm sure. Uh, But the fact that it hurts to stand here is to your advantage. As long as I can ignore it, I'm going to keep going. We are happy to have you as our guest tonight. If you are a guest, thank you for coming. Uh, Almost everybody in this building has had the same experience some of you have had tonight. You can always tell when people are in their first Pentecostal service. Eyes are about this big. 
What are these people crazy? No, we're really not. If this was a ball game, you would think we were actually you'd think we didn't have much spirit if we were in a ball game. If this was a concert, you would wonder why we're all sitting down instead of standing with our arms going back and forth. So it's not anything we're doing here tonight that's strange. It's just the fact that we're doing it in praise to Jesus instead of some ball team or some concert or some other place. Praise God. So uh, we are glad you're here, happy that you've come, and uh, pray that the Lord will minister to you tonight. I hope, I pray that he already has and will continue to do so. Uh, those that are watching online, uh, we welcome you. God bless you. Thank you for your here. The pastor is on his way home from Worcester, Massachusetts. He was ministering up there uh, Friday, Saturday, and this morning. So he's not present if you're wondering where he is, okay? Uh, you're welcome to pray for me as much as you have time. I've got five overseas trips I've got to do between now and the end of May. Uh, the UK, Singapore, Brazil, back to the UK and to Spain. And uh, But at this point in time, I expect to be home two weekends a month. So, and then June, right now, you're stuck with me every weekend. I'm going to be someplace at Antioch every weekend of June. So, uh, but I do appreciate your prayers because of scheduling situations. I get home on Friday night, the 2nd of February, and leave on the 7th of February. So I'm home four days, uh, and those trips are grueling. Singapore's 13 hours, uh, according to the clock, and it's about a 30-hour trip from house to hotel. From the time you leave, we leave at the house to the time we arrive at our hotel in Singapore. It's usually about 30 hours, so um, I, I've said a couple of times here recently, uh, I'm going to overcome and get well from this, <laughs> from this ruptured tendon. I just can't get well from being 70. <laughs> but praise God I couldn't get it done last year but I'm getting it done this year I'm going to be on the other side of the world on my birthday <laughs> so we will just pretend it didn't happen is that alright praise God uh, I, I have I have something I I want to talk to you about I I'm going to do my best to not get animated
2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, if you'd stand for a moment for the reading of the Word of God. I'm going to read several verses. Whoever's on the computer tonight, I'm not going to wait on you. Please try to keep up. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. From the King James Version. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Do you have the amplified for those verses, please? Second Timothy 3, 1 in the Amplified. I'm sorry? Okay, all right. I'm reading from the Amplified. But understand this, that in the last days will come or set in perilous times of great stress and trouble. And the Amplified expands hard to deal with and hard to bear. For people will be lovers of self and utterly self-centered. Lovers of money and aroused by inordinate, greedy desire for wealth. Proud and arrogant and contemptuous boasters. They will be abusive, parentheses, blasphemous, scoffing. Disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, and profane. They will be without natural human affection. They'll be callous and inhuman. Relentless, admitting of no truce or appeasement. They will be slanderers, false accusers, troublemakers, intemperate and loose in morals and conduct, uncontrolled and fierce, haters of good. They will be treacherous, brackets, it is equated as betrayers, rash and inflated with self-conceit. They will be lovers of sensual pleasures and vain amusements more than and rather than lovers of God. For although they hold a form of piety, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. Their conduct belies the genuineness of their profession. Avoid all such people. Turn away from them. You may be seated. We're living in a very difficult time for this nation. I have every intention to speak spiritually and not politically tonight. Because of the diversity of this congregation, which is encouraged 
We have diversities of opinions here which are also encouraged. But we do believe the Word of God. We believe the Word of God. I read this the other day. There's a teacher who held the position of social media oversight for Frederick County Public Schools, the state of Maryland. One of the students using, or in the Twitter thread that was connected to the Twitter account for the public schools made a, a statement about the fact that they were going to be out of school tomorrow. And they spelled it T-A-M-M-A-W or whatever. I read her tweet. It was kind. It was not unkind. It did not call names. It did not insult. It just simply, in the short little blurb, she corrected the spelling of the student and was fired for it. Teacher. In Maryland. Just a week or so ago. Because our culture has gotten to the place that if you don't agree with all of the partisan politics, you're one of the ists. Just put one of them out there and put it behind, put that IST behind it, because you are. I stood on June the 5th, 1968, on the grass of the Naval Academy football stadium, raised my hand and swore to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States and to defend it against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Implied in that, as many in this room have done the same, implied in that is the understanding that those in authority over you may put you in a position that may cost you your life. One of the most amazing things about the conflicts that this country's fought the last 17 to 20 years is it's the only time in the history of the world that a nation of any significant size has gone to war with an all-volunteer military. No one has been drafted. Everybody's volunteer. That means those that have put, are putting their lives on the line are doing so because they believe in this country and the freedom that it guarantees. But that freedom only works today for one select group, set of groups of minorities. I am two things standing in this pulpit tonight. I'm an American, and I'm a Christian. And I understand that as an American, people have freedom to 
believe things that I might not disagree with, but I respect their right to believe it. I, I, I accept the fact that as an American, there are people that have a right to live lifestyles that I that are legal, that I may not agree with, but I respect their right to live that way. And no one has ever been denied entrance to one of our church services, ever, because of some lifestyle they have. Ever. Even if I don't believe biblically that their choices are accurate, even if it's the case, Jesus was a friend of sinners. He treated people kindly and with respect, even when they differed from him. But it's not possible today for that to be the case. Because you cannot disagree on principle without being accused of some heinous or heinous attitude. That it's not possible, according to our culture, to disagree with somebody's choices and yet love that person. And I understand why they don't believe that. Because it's only the Bible that teaches such a thing as that. The Bible is the only religious document that teaches to love people even if you don't agree with them. Even if you don't think their actions are right. Now that's not saying that everybody claims to be a Christian lives or acts the Bible. But we don't judge the Bible by people. The Lord Jesus Christ gave, created everybody with a choice. He tells of the consequences of those choices. But He does not force anybody into a position where they lose their choice. Even saved people have the choice to change direction. If you don't want to be a Christian anymore, God cannot, will not stop you. I say He cannot because He's bound by His own Word. It's your choice. And as long as you're breathing, you have that choice. You have it. And as an American, I understand there's some things that are legal I don't agree with. But I acknowledge the fact as an American, they're legal. So yes, in principle, there is some conflict within me over what's legal and what the Bible teaches is acceptable to God. But the conflict is really not a conflict at all. Because the conflict is not over what your choices are. There would only be conflict if it was over my choices. 
And I have chosen to believe what the Bible says. It's my choice, not my blind choice. I believe what the Bible says. Well, that means you're against. No, you got to understand something. Jesus was against certain actions. He hung on the cross and died because he wasn't against people. He loved everybody. (laughs) Come on now. Have we really gotten to the place that it's wrong to correct your children because you don't agree with their choices? So your two-year-old that wants to play with a knife, don't tell them no, you'll damage them. Oh, the knife won't? Your 12-year-old wants to drive your car. You're not going to tell them no? For their sake and other people's sake? This doesn't mean you don't love them. But we live in a world where you can't disagree with people's choices without automatically being branded as hating them. Let me tell you something. If that's your attitude, you're more deceived than you ever think any Christian is. No, wait, wait, wait. Here's the problem. <laughs> Science proves the Bible wrong is what these folks say. So science is the end all to be all. Except, of course, for the science that says every male is born with XY chromosomes and every female is born with XX chromosomes and that's what you are in your DNA. Oh, no, 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 no. That science is wrong. No, it's only selective science. It's just selective science. (laughs) Ask any doctor. The DNA difference of males and females. And I don't care what his political position is. He'll have to tell you that males are born with XY chromosomes and females are born with XX chromosomes. That's what science says. Now, science is enough to, to, to do away with the existence of God and, and laugh at the Bible and anybody that believes it because they're a bunch of ignoramuses. But it's not okay when it comes to defining gender the way science has all these years. Oh, it sounds like somebody is selectively choosing. They're the all-be, all-wise ones that know when science is right and wrong. (laughs) The idea that Christians deny science, it's, it's wrong. I don't have a doctorate degree 
or, or a bachelor's degree in theology. I have a bachelor's degree in engineering. And my brain works. Two plus two equals four. And everything I enjoy in this world is because two plus two equals four. The place I live, the car I drive, the phone I use, my computer, everything works because two plus two equals four. But all of a sudden it doesn't mean that anymore because I choose not to believe. Because if it contradicts my choices, it's got to be wrong. Really? Really? That's really what you believe? You know, I'm, I've lived through the election of a lot of presidents in my lifetime. There were people from every possible niche politically that's been elected in my lifetime, from the leftist to the rightist, to the con- from the liberal to the conservative. And you know what? When the election was over with, we all had a president. <laughs> So, we never elected a womanizer before? Huh? So, we've never elected a racist before? But all of a sudden, democracy only works if I get my way. Were there any protests eight years ago disrupting the inauguration? Were there any protests four years ago? No, people respected democracy. Just watch what happens Friday. Tell me if people respect democracy. I'm not endorsing the man. I'm endorsing the Constitution that I serve to, 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 to protect and defend. And the thing that's made this country so unique all these years has been the peaceful transfer of power. Regardless of what the politics of the person was going out or coming in. That doesn't exist anymore, does it? Doesn't exist anymore. Why? This has nothing to do with politics. You understand that? This no all sowed in the last days, perilous times shall come. Oh, you could always describe men like this really, really. Like this. Men have always been like this. Humans have always been like this. (laughs) 
Do you understand society reading these verses 50 years ago, 70 years ago, thought, well, these, these verses can't be true because this is not what our society is like anymore. Our, our, excuse, not anymore, but it's not what our society's like. So, <laughs> this stuff about the coming of the Lord can't be accurate. Because, <laughs> let me read another one. How about this one? This is the uh, Bible in basic English. Second Timothy Chapter 3, verse 1. But be certain of this, that in the last days, times of trouble will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, uplifted in pride, given to bitter words, going against the authority of their fathers, never giving praise, having no religion, without natural love, bitter haters, saying evil of others, violent and uncontrolled, hating all good, false to their friends, acting without thought, lifted up in mind, loving pleasure more than God, having a form of religion but turning their backs on the power of it, go not with these. I could keep reading because I've got over 40 translations right here in this little device. Isn't that awesome? That's just awesome. I'm, it's just awesome. I used to carry a book, book bag on, on trips with me so that I could carry on my study material. And now I've got 100 times more in here, and that's all I have to carry, right? This is not a disrespectful statement, but I'm not Amish. I don't just believe in electricity. I believe in the latest technology that I can afford. Phew. And I got this weird thing that if there's new technology out, what is it that my old technology can't do that the new can do? It's not, I'm talking as an American now again, not as Christian, but as an American. It's, it's not that I don't understand that people have made choices that I don't agree with. It's that people have made choices that they're not going to be satisfied till everybody says they're okay. Because again, the principle of our world today is, if you don't agree with everything I do and say, you don't love me. Well, then there aren't any marriages still intact in this room, is there? There's no such thing as an intact marriage in this world. Forty-eight and a half years. She loves me, I love her. But if you think we've always agreed with each other, 
you kidding, right? Other than pleasing Jesus, my, my desire to please her is beyond everybody. I love my sons and my daughters and my grandchildren, but trust me, I didn't make a vow to be married to them. I did my job, raised them up, got them out of the house. Their problems, their problems now. <laughs> if they want help, they can ask. I'm not volunteering. Why? Because if you're man enough to have a wife and fill that house up with kids, you, you, <laughs> you're man enough to do, handle your own problems. Unless you're humble enough to ask for help. Because these, it's not autumn and my hair didn't act like leaves just leaving, falling out, okay? There is, there is some reason why it's not thick like it used to be. The good thing about being 70 is, hey, it's okay to go bald at 70. I love being 70. Because if you get stuff on your clothes when you're trying to eat, be 70. <laughs> you start out when you're a baby getting food on your clothes. When you're eating, you grow up. To one day get food on your clothes again when you eat. You start out with somebody changing your diaper and I just pray I'm not here. When that's necessary the next time. You start out with very little hair, you end up with very little hair. You ever seen a baby with a six pack abs? Give me a break. Oh, man. If you're a guest here, would you look around at the diversity? Now, now wait, wait, wait just a minute. When there's so much hate and discontent in our world and the government's trying to make laws to enforce this and people are screaming and hollering over prejudice what's going on here how's this happening what happened to us did we not get the memo we're supposed to hate each other Oh, that's right. We love each other because we love him because he first loved us. And by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have loved one for another. <laughs> you, see, you see, Christianity doesn't live what it preaches for the most part. You got black churches, you got white churches, you got Hispanic churches, you got Korean churches, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All here within, within 25 miles of this building, you got all these different. Oh, but that's not all. You got the poor white churches and the rich white churches and the poor black churches and the, 
and the rich black church. You see, that's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not just segregated by color. It's the educated group and the uneducated group. Boy, we, you know what? It's just, woo! And that's Christianity. It's no wonder the world believes we're a joke. Let's see. I've read a lot about the Bible, but I've never seen where there's a poor black heaven and a poor and a rich white, a black heaven and a poor white heaven. I've never seen that. Have you? Well, I don't want to go to church with folks that aren't my kind. Then you're not going to go to heaven. Because... This is what Peter said. You who were not a people are now made a people by the, by the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you weren't a people. The world couldn't make you a people. One of the most inspiring speeches I've ever heard in my life was Dr. Martin Luther King's speech, I have a dream. But there's a whole lot of folks that quote that speech that don't even know what it said. That's right. Because his dream wasn't equality. His dream was there would be a day that the color of your skin wouldn't even be the issue. Hello? Isn't that what tomorrow is? Tomorrow's the day we celebrate the life and work of Dr. Martin Luther King. Well, why don't you do yourself a favor and go back and listen to the speech again? Because the issue, <laughs> you know the real problem? You go to people, you go to church with people that you love very much. You go to church with people you love, and you don't even think about the fact that we're different from the world's perspective till somebody points it out. Because you don't see it's your brother, it's your sister. We're in the same family. The world can't do that. The government can't do that. They can't do it. They've never been able to do it. They're never going to be able to do it. Pass all the laws you want. Call people all the names you want to call them. If they don't dot your I's and cross your T's, the bottom line is only the Lord Jesus Christ can enable me to love somebody different. How do I know that? Have you never heard the words of Jesus that said, if you love them that love you, what thank have you? Oh, the Greek word translated thank there 
is spelled in the English equivalent letter C-H-A-R-I-S. And that word is almost always translated grace. So if you only associate with people as a Christian who are like you, there's no grace at work in your life. I've said this before, I'll say it again. The reason that these online dating services like eHarmony work is you fill out this long questionnaire of all what you like and dislike and then the computer tries to find somebody that likes everything you like and dislikes everything you dislike. Why? Because the, the assumption is you love yourself and if you can, they can find you somebody that you you automatically going to get along with them because there's nothing to fuss over. Well, that's stupid because they don't know anything about humans. And I, they obviously have never been married to a lady before. Because she's going to keep you on your toes, brother. Because that's in her nature. And thank God for it. Some of you have heard this way way too many times. I know what it looks like, but food's not really a big deal to me. I didn't say sweets, I said food. Why is it everything I like to eat is round? And you are what you eat? Why is that? I don't know. I haven't figured that one out. Anyway. Oh, my favorite food is a Whopper. So that's round, see. Right. To me, the quickest I can eat and get full so I can go on about my business doing something else, the better I like it. Of course, I've never cooked anything more than peanut butter and jelly. When I really branch out, I can do a banana sandwich or ham and cheese. Now, that's getting down to it right there, right? It's really not important to me. You know why it's important to me now? This is important to her. She's cook. Awesome cook. And she knows all the work that goes into preparing a meal. So it's not that she eats a lot of food. She just, she just appreciates the work of the person that's doing all that work to prepare that food. So she's not going to disrespect them by shoveling it down and getting up and going on. I got to tell you, I'm pretty dense. Do you know how many years it took me to understand? Even if you eat fast, stay at the table till she's done. But she's the last one finished. <laughs> Stay at the table till she's done. We're different. <laughs> Science likes repel, they don't attract. 
What's scatterbrained, harebrained? They're going to charge you all this money to find somebody you like, then eventually at some point, likes are going to repel. Opposites attract. If we have the same strengths and the same weaknesses, we multiply the strengths and multiply the weaknesses. <laughs> you think I didn't hear, and I haven't done it yet, but you, I did hear. I've solved my problem. I'm going to put a reminder in my phone on the day of the garbage. These two ex-Marines picked me up at the airport in uh, Canton, Ohio on Friday. And we were riding along talking. We had about a half hour to get to the church building. And, and uh, I'm just, whatever. And this guy says to me, how do you remember all those dates like that? I, I said, I don't, I don't really know how I do that, but. I also don't know why I can't remember what day the garbage goes out. He said, are you serious? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not forgetting birthday and anniversary and whatever. You don't get any points for that. You only get negative points if you don't remember. But you don't get points for remembering it's your anniversary. You don't... <laughs> See that look? She's trying to keep her face straight, face straight. She knows this is true. You don't get points for remembering birthdays, anniversaries. You can only get negative points because you forget. Well, guess what? The problem is you can't get points for remember the garbage goes out. But you can lose a whole lot of hard-earned points in just a little while. Because we're different. It's the way the Creator made us. He made us to be different. He made us different. But our political climate today that preaches diversity only accepts diversity if you're diverse like them. You can't possibly be tolerant of their diversity unless you endorse the diversity. It's no longer good enough to be tolerant. You have to endorse. In our culture today, Christians are in a position where you will make a choice. You may not believe it yet, but just wait a little while. I'm not worried about proving my point. This world's going to prove my point for me, unfortunately. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a positive person. I'm not a negative person. But I'm not blind either. 
and I'm not dumb. And I can read and I can listen and I pray. You're trying to scare me, preacher. No, I'm not trying to scare you at all. I'm just trying to get you to wake up. It's bad enough. I love all those folks out there, but I'm part of the team that's responsible, spiritually responsible. Here. And my friend, I wish this wasn't so. I, I can't tell you how much. I, there's just some things that anybody that cares wishes they were wrong about. And I care. And I wish I was wrong. There's a, uh, an independent watch group. I think they're headquarters out of Italy or somewhere in Europe that analyzes the treatment of various religions throughout the world on a yearly basis. The last two years throughout the world, Christianity has been the most persecuted religion in the world. According to their facts that they have verified, over 90,000 people died for their Christianity last year. Some by, uh, over a third by extremist religious groups. And the rest was by governments who are anti-Christian. So that's not true. According to this group, over 600,000 Christians were by law forbidden to practice their faith in their countries last year. You may not believe any of this tonight, but you will remember over the next while. That, that preacher said that. That preacher said it was going to be like this. No, I didn't. The Bible says it's going to be like this. All these people are doing or living out what was prophesied 2,000 years ago was going to be the condition of our world in the last days. That's all it is. I'm just reading what it says. And I've chosen to believe the Bible. <laughs> I preached in Ohio and then two different churches in Texas over the six days I was gone and I told one pastor in Texas, I said, let me tell you something. Let me tell you the thing that you folks south of the Potomac River don't understand. Because in case you don't know it, 
The Potomac River is the border of the Bible Belt. Just drive through most towns in Virginia. Pay attention to how large the Protestant churches are. And then look in Maryland and see and it's only a fraction of the number. This is not the Bible Belt. But I told this, uh, this pastor's wife, I said, you know, one thing you folks living down here have completely failed to recognize, there is no longer a Bible Belt. There's no more Bible Belt. Why? Because there really isn't a lot of people in this world that still truly believe the Bible. Do you believe the Bible? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, But ask a couple of questions. You'll find out that they don't believe the Bible because they don't know what the Bible says. I've been in this city 46 years now, and I have not found anyone... I found people with doctorate degrees didn't even know there was an Old and New Testament. I've never found anyone yet in 46 years that can spell the word Pentecostal the first time without help. And you ought to hear people of all educational backgrounds trying to pronounce A-P-O-S-T-O-L-I-C. You ought to try to hear, you ought to hear people Try to pronounce that. Well, I believe in the Bible. Really? You ever heard of the apostles? Somewhere heard that phrase. I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm just trying to make a point here. We don't believe that anymore. (laughs) I've told this before. I was, uh, I graduated, my dad was stationed, he was in the Navy, and he, we were stationed, he was stationed in Suitland, Maryland, my last two years of high school, and my senior year of high school, at Oxon Hills Senior High School, I was elected to the student council. It was the first meeting of the year, and I'd been there one year, I was there for my junior year, and uh, I don't know whose idea it was, but somebody asked me, appointed me the chairman of the committee to write the dress code for a 3,000 student public high school in Prince George's County, Maryland. They appointed, I know this is not going to surprise some of you, they appointed two other people to be on the committee. I don't remember who they were because we never met. I sat down and wrote a dress code. And I submitted it to the student council, and it was approved by this public high school student council of a 3,000-student 3, school. It was approved unanimously. And it was submitted to the principal and the school administration and all of the staff, faculty. And they approved it unanimously. No dissent. That was 19, fall of 1963. So the culture of Maryland then 
was such that a Pentecostal could be chosen to write the dress code for a public high school in the state of Maryland with 3,000 students and it be approved unanimously by the, the, the student council and by the faculty and administration of that school. And if I stand for those same things today, I'm considered absolutely weird. You see, I didn't change. Where'd you come up with these weird ideas? Hey, uh, like I've had these as long as I can remember. I didn't change. Who changed? Who changed? One survey said that one third of all Christian women have acknowledged that they have visited and fairly regularly visit pornography sites. And over one half of all Christian men have acknowledged that they have visited and fairly regularly visit pornography sites. That was really hard to do when I was 18. You didn't have access to all that stuff. You, you, could, you weren't going to go. <laughs> that was before they started covering up the girly magazines. Right? You're not, you're not going to go in some store and even buy one of those magazines. You're terrified somebody would see you. Even if. Even if you thought it was wrong, but you were curious, you're not going to do that. And if you spend any time online today, you don't have to go looking for it. It comes looking for you. The world's changed. The whole world's changed. And if you tell me it never crosses your mind when you leave your house in the morning, if you're going to be unfortunate enough to be somewhere where somebody's going to start shooting or pull out a knife and start stabbing people, I flew in out of the Fort Lauderdale Air Airport last May. People have made their trip. They're collecting their baggage. Who in the world would think somebody would come pull their bags off a carousel, pull out their gun, and just start shooting people? People they don't even know. What kind of world is that we live in? You know what? I, the lifestyle of the people is totally irrelevant. But to go into a club and just start shooting people in Orlando, 
There's no Christian in this world that could condone such a thing. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We're not talking about a foreign country now. We're talking about this country. Perilous times. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to get you to understand something. You can keep your head in the sand all you want. You can deny. You can live in denial all you want. But it's not going to change a thing. It's not changing a thing. Brother Wright, you're depressing me. You're, you're discouraging me. You're making me afraid. That's not the purpose. Put uh, Hebrews 11 and 6 on the screen for me, if you would, please. I think it's 11 and 6. No, 11 and 7. Is that what it is? We'll figure it out. No. Uh, I guess it would be, is that seven? Let's go to six. No, it would be five, right? Noah? Oh, 17. Let's go to, okay, go to seven. Eleven, seven. There it is. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, Moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. It wasn't fear that moved Noah first, it was faith. It wasn't doubt, it wasn't worry, it was faith in God. Why? Because the fear was a product of his faith. Why? Because the Bible says God told Noah that the thoughts and the imaginations of the hearts of men are only evil continually. Therefore, I repent that I made man. And I'm going to destroy the world with a flood. And I'm going to give you a plan to save yourself and those that will listen to you. And it was to build an ark. And it took him 125 years to build an, that ark. Him and his three sons and his wife and three daughters-in-law. A hundred. If I remember correctly, it's uh, 450 feet long. Uh, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high, if I remember correctly. Eight people built that, and it, but it took them 125 years. That wasn't all they did. They had, to, they had to grow their own food like was normal. They had to support their family. But Noah also was a preacher of righteousness. And the only warning there was a flood coming was a man who believed God's word and preached for 125 years. Can you imagine the names they called him? I mean, really. Can you imagine the names they called him? 
What are you doing? I'm building this boat. Why? Because my God said to. I'm, I'm sure the crowds came to make fun of all of their efforts. And the only proof he had was God said. But he never let them undermine his faith and he kept believing God and he kept doing what his faith dictated he do. God said, there's going to be a flood. I want you to build this ark. It's going to save the humans that will believe and all, and we're going to save animals. So the earth can be replenished after the flood. Because the thoughts and the imaginations of the hearts of men are only evil continually. Don't spend too much time on Facebook. You'll see how much that proves the Word of God true. (laughs) I, I use Facebook to preach. I don't get into big debates and discussions most of the time because it's a total waste of time. Why? Because people aren't interested in having a discussion. All they want to do is call names. That's what our world, how our world is. When you can't prove the person's position wrong from a principle standpoint... You try to defeat them by calling them all kind of horrible names. And once you begin to resort to calling names as your defense against stuff that you don't agree with, you've just admitted you've got no position from which to discuss something. You've just admitted that your position is at the the best spurious, at the worst... It's heresy. Well, you Christians, you, you're blind, really? It's, I'm not afraid of having a discussion with any person of any faith, of any position, of any standing, any time, any place. I'm not afraid of it. God's not afraid of questions, neither is the Word of God. I'm not afraid of questions. I'm afraid of people that don't have questions. I'll say that again. I'm afraid of people that don't have questions. I don't want anybody doing something because Antioch believes this or because the bishop believes this or the pastor believes this. You need to do what you do because the Bible says it. Not because I say it. What do you have faith to do? Well, preacher, I, I can't accept all that. Great. <laughs> it's fine with me if you don't accept it. Well, what are, you going, what are you going to do with it? Dismiss it? Well, I had a guy tell me one time, he said, now, preacher, I've, I've decided I'm going to do this, and I, but I don't want to discuss this with you in the Bible because you're going to prove me wrong and I don't want to hear it. Oh, so you've made up your mind what you're going to do and you're going to blame it on God, but you don't want to hear what the Bible says on the subject because you don't want to see the Bible says what you're doing is not right. 
Choices, fine. Yeah, you know what? I believe in choice. But I also understand the responsibility of the person that is called to be a man of God to tell you what the consequences of the choice are. Once you know the consequence of the choice, it's your choice. Choose to do what you're going to do. You don't want to answer to me. You don't answer to this church. But you are going to answer to God. Because our world doesn't believe in accountability anymore. It's everybody else's fault. I'm just a victim. <laughs> just a victim. It's everybody else's fault. There's no one who makes their own decisions anymore. Everybody's a victim. Everybody's been manipulated or, or forced into do something they didn't really want to do. And so they're just a victim. Everybody's a victim. Are there victims? Yeah. Yeah. When a child is molested by an adult, that child's a victim. If I go out and get drunk where I can't think anymore, don't have my own faculties, oh, somebody's going to be upset with this. Ooh, I can feel it coming. Is it your fault somebody has abused you? No, it's not your fault. They're accountable too. That's why they'll go to jail for it if they're charged and found guilty. But <laughs> I'm not going to get in my car and drive 150 miles an hour up Ritchie Highway and then claim I'm a victim when I get stopped. I have common sense. I'm not going to put myself in a place knowingly on purpose where I'm vulnerable. <laughs> well, you're, you're a man. You're not vulnerable. I'm 70. Don't you know us old folks are now a, a bunch of victims? Oh, God. I, I read this just the other day. <laughs> There's a segment of our society that says it's the old people that are living too wrong that's causing all the financial problems in this country. They've had their life. Why don't they just give up and die so we wouldn't be in this position? I read it with my own eyes. I'm not making it up. I'm honestly not making that up. I read it. I went, okay. And who died and made you God to determine how long is too long to live? You want to fix this? Just do away with the health system so nobody can afford health insurance. Oh, no, that's too big a deal. We're applying health insurance for everybody. Really? So they can live too long and be a burden to society, huh? You can't have it both ways, you see. 
I'm not trying to be unkind here. But I, like I said, I can read. And I don't just read one viewpoint of stuff. And you go, <laughs> hey, I don't have a dog in this fight. And that's a terrible thing to say because Michael Vick went to jail for that. And I don't mean, un- I'm not trying to be unkind, okay? And it came out of my mouth before I realized what I was saying. Okay? But for eight years, we heard how terrible Fox News is. And now we're, now we're hearing how terrible CNN is. And CNN is affronted. They're offended. They never one time defended Fox News. You, you don't, you, you're missing the point. I'm not endorsing either way. I'm just simply saying, why didn't all the news media come and defend Fox News? But now they're all the offended ones. And of course, one Fox guy says, how do you like it? Never open your mouth to defend us when we were blasted. Now you're the one on the receiving end? You see... It's, it's, it's not a, it's not a, <laughs> that's just the way it is. What about freedom of the press? Press. Oh, that's right. In our country, we've learned you can't trust the press. Oh, we didn't do that to them. They did it to themselves. Who do you trust? The Bible. You're kidding. No, that's who I trust. I trust the Bible. I don't trust any of them. They all have an agenda. Every one of them's got an agenda. They all have an agenda. And if you, if you just soak it all in, I'm preaching tonight. If you just soak it all in without question and you believe everything you hear and read, I got a bridge in Brooklyn I'd like to sell you. And some swamp land in Arizona. In the desert. Some beachfront property in the middle of the desert in Arizona. I got, I got some out of that I'd like to sell you. If, if you're just going to believe it all without any question. Everybody's got an agenda. I probably shouldn't do this, honestly. I, I, I know better in my brain. But I'm going to do this. A friend of mine who ministers in the Windy City <laughs> sent me this today. He said, uh, the, the coach of the Chicago Bears had put together the perfect team for for Chicago, the only thing that was missing was a good quarterback. He'd scouted all the colleges and even the Canadian and European leagues, but he couldn't find a ringer who would ensure a Super Bowl win for the city of Chicago. Then one night while watching CNN, he saw a war zone scene in the, in the West Bank. 
In one corner of the background, he spotted a young Israeli soldier with a truly incredible arm. He threw a hand grenade straight into a 15-story window 100 yards away. Kaboom. Then he threw another hand grenade 75 yards away right into a chimney. Kaboom. Then he threw another at a passing car going by at 90 miles an hour. Bullseye. The coach of the Bears said, I've got to get this guy. He has the perfect arm. So he goes to Israel and he talks him into coming back to the United States and teaches him the great game of football. And the Bears go on to win the Super Bowl. You know this is fantasy, right? It's a parable. <laughs> the young man is hailed as the great hero of football. When the coach asks him what he wants, all the young man wants is to call his mother. Mom, he says in the phone, I just won the Super Bowl. She says, I don't want to talk to you. The old woman says, you're not my son anymore. I don't understand. I don't think you understand, mother. The young man pleads, I've won the greatest sporting event in the world. I'm here among thousands of my adoring fans. She said, no, let me tell you, his mother retorts. All this very, at this very moment, there are gunshots all around us. The neighborhood is a pile of rubble. Your two brothers were beaten within an inch of their lives last week. And I have to keep your sister in the house so she doesn't get raped. The old lady pauses and then tearfully says, I will never forgive you for making us move to Chicago. I'm not trying to be offensive. There are people here from Chicago. That's not the point. But how sad is it? That all these people are being killed on the streets of Chicago and New York and L.A. And there's not an outcry over all of them being killed. Just a few. I'm not trying to be unkind here. But blood is blood. And I grieve over all those. I preached in Chicago. What a great city. But there's no hope of us loving each other and forgiving each other and living at peace with one another without the Lord Jesus Christ producing that. Because man can't do that. Man can't do it. Man can't do it. Government can't do it. Laws can't do it. The press can't make it happen. Congress can't make it happen. The Supreme Court can't make it happen. It can't happen. We live in a very perilous times. It's a time where everybody consciously or subconsciously takes a short pause. Before they go out. You may not realize you do it yet. But if you're going into a public place. There's a very high likelihood. That that's exactly what you're doing. (sighs) 
the Lord has promised us he would forgive us of all of our sins. The Lord has promised us he would take hate out of our hearts and put love there. The Lord had promised us, promised us he would bring us together as humans where we treat each other respectfully and with love. He's promised to do that. But I have to choose to let him. He will not violate your power of choice, your right to choose, your privilege to choose. He won't do that. And for the first 65 or so years of my life, I felt pretty certain I lived in a country where I still had a right to choose. And I don't think there's anybody that honestly believes that your right to choose as long as it's not targeted towards some human being. But you have your principles and you have a reason you stand for those principles. Do you hear about the man who had the unfortunate luck that his neighbor's reported him for killing four puppies in Baltimore and he's been charged with the crime and he's going to trial. I'm not endorsing him killing the puppies but would it have been legal to have killed them while they were still in the womb? He wouldn't even be charged with a crime if he'd have killed them while they were still in the womb. But he let them be born and he killed them. But in our country, whatever you kill in the womb is okay. So a mother that births a baby rather than has an abortion, who puts her baby in a dumpster, she's going to jail for child abuse and if the baby dies for manslaughter or murder. But we kill thousands of babies every day in this country. And it's okay because they're not born yet. It's okay. That's okay, really. It's okay. Everybody has a choice. But everybody's accountable for that choice. I have been privileged to have the opportunity to help to be used of God to help a lot of hurting people in 48 years of ministry. But in all those years, the person that I find has the most difficult time even feeling worthy of being helped. 
is the lady that believed the lie and had an abortion. As if it's no big deal. It's like going to a dentist. It's like just, it's just a procedure. Well, trust me. I know some precious, precious ladies that have never, no matter what I've told them, how much God loves them, no matter how much I've tried to help them, no matter how much I've prayed for them, no matter how much counseling they've gotten, they have not been able to forgive themselves. Thankfully, some have, but way too many haven't. They just can't believe that God's forgiven them. And they can't believe that God can help them to forgive themselves. I don't shame them. I don't make them feel bad. I'm trying to help them let God, help them to, to let God love them. But it just, it's so hard for them. It's so hard for them. And if you read the statistics of those who heard and believed the lie, it's your choice, your body. It's just a procedure. Oh, I know there are some I know there's some that have managed to deal with it without having struggles, but they're in such a minority. There you, there's a victim. Victim of the lie. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. Yes, the Lord can even help them with that. I believe there's a heaven and hell. And I believe hell is so horrible there's not a living, breathing person or any person who's ever lived that I would want to see go there. Even though I heard a man say the other day, the surest way to be saved nowadays is just die. If you don't believe that, just go to the funeral. Everybody's saved. That's all you have to do to go to heaven is just die. You're automatically going. If you listen to everybody that talks at a funeral, I know it would be very unkind and cruel to get up and say otherwise, wouldn't it? But <laughs> so an impenitent serial child molester who refused to repent or even acknowledge they'd done wrong is saved because they died? Sorry. Not in the book I read. I'm not their judge. That's the point, folks. It's the point, you see. The point is... Very few people are held accountable for their choices in this life. There's a verse in the Bible. 
It's absolutely the truth. It's appointed unto man once to die. And in my 70, almost 71 years, I've never seen anybody that was able to prevent dying when it came time to die. I stood by the bedsides of numbers of people who tried their best not to die. But when it was time to die, they were dead. And we're all headed there. Every one of us is headed there. But that's not all the scripture says. It's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. The book is not a mystery. It's not a mystery. It's not hard to understand if it's read with an open heart and an open mind. Again, questions are wonderful. I got questions. The more I study, the more questions I get. I study because I have questions. But the bottom line is, this world doesn't believe in accountability anymore. Doesn't believe in accountability anymore. Oh, Jesus. In the last days, perilous times shall come. More than likely, this is the last time I will get to preach to you till June. The next two Antioch United Sunday nights, I'm not here, and the two after that, uh, Brother... Smith is going to be here on the Antioch United weekend. I'm not a negative person. I've got faith. I trust God. I believe he loves us. I believe he loved the whole world enough to die so the world didn't have to be lost. But he cannot force anybody to believe him. He can't force anybody to take advantage of that opportunity. The problem is, <laughs> name me any other carpenter whose life affected the entire world for 2,000 years. Name me anyone like that. Oh, name me any king from 2,000 years ago whose life affected the entire world for 2,000 years. Oh, I know it's now BCE and instead of BC and all that. You didn't change the year. And the rest of us have lived long enough to know it's AD and BC. And you can change it now, but you, you might need to change the year so you can deny we're not still counting from then. Because my friend, come to the keyboard if you would, sister. My friend, <laughs> the fact there was a cross, the fact that the one who was hanging on that cross was the creator God who robed himself in flesh to die in the place of mankind so he could forgive mankind for their sins. The fact that that happened, it happened. 
Here we are almost 2,000 years later. And I am declaring publicly my faith that that happened. Well, how can you know that happened 2,000 years ago? Because I once was lost. Now I'm found. I once was blind. Now I see. I once was eat up with guilt and shame. And now I'm free. I once didn't even love myself, forget letting anybody else love me. But I let God love me now. And I receive the love of others who willingly give it. And by His grace, I willingly give that love to anyone that will receive it. That's what that, what took place on that cross did for me. I appreciate every effort to help someone who's addicted get over their addiction. But hear me, the success rate is so, so very low. But there's people sitting in this room who are not just drug addicts but drug dealers and you could never pick them out. There's people all over this room who used to be (laughs) alcoholics of the worst sort. You could never pick them out. Never pick them out. People in this room, male and female, used to sell their bodies. You would never, ever know who they were. Why? Because they're that good at pretending? No, because all of that's past. The forgiveness and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ has taken away the old life, given them a new life. Oh, yeah. If you don't believe it, there are people here who would be happy to tell you their story. Happy. Because the old song is, He's done so much for me, I cannot tell it all. He's done so much for me, I cannot tell it all. There's another one that says, When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all He's done for me, my soul cries out, Hallelujah. Jesus name Father I thank you this night I thank you for each and every individual that's in this place every person that has watched this online or will watch it in the future that your word and your spirit reach out to our hearts if these are just the words of a man Lord I fully expect every individual to not remember them most of us, not even by the time we get off the parking lot. But if you've talked to us tonight using an earthen vessel as your conduit, I am believing and trusting that your words will stay with us in the night, in our sleep, as we ride down the road, that you will speak to our hearts. That you will take the blindness from our eyes and the deception that we have allowed to affect us. That you would give us the strength and the courage to think for ourselves. And to make up our own minds intellectually and spiritually. Whether or not the Bible is true. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Joel, I want you to finish this altar call. Let's stand if we could. Let's just lift our hands one more time and let's just love the Lord and thank Him tonight. Can we do that? Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes you cannot determine the effectiveness of a seed in the first few days or even the first few weeks after it was planted. But if you give it time and let that seed be watered, it will bring fruit in your life. Words like this are spoken. You may not see the effect tomorrow, may not see the effect next week. But if you'd let the Lord speak to you over the next couple of days and you'd let the Spirit water it, this seed will bring fruit in your life. Praise God. Make sure you greet somebody. Tell them you love them. If you don't know them, introduce yourself. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Please be safe on your way out. Amen.